Father God, thank you that there really is no one like you. You are unique in all of existence, um, sometimes to the point that it's hard for us to really even understand who you are and what you're like. But thank you that you revealed yourself uh, to us in Jesus, and thank you that your love is the one thing that's worth building our lives on. And God, I pray this morning, as we look at your scriptures, that that is a message that would come through to us, that we would uh, know that because of who you are and what you did through Jesus, that we are safe with you and that we can experience you at work in our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Thanks, guys. Grab my notes. You guys can have a seat. Yes, you figured that out? Oh, water down. All right, that's okay. All right. Oh, I'm going to save from Bob here. Thank you, sir. Awesome. All right. Well, this morning, we are starting a new series. Uh, It's entitled The Holy Spirit, God Within Us, which I'll explain in a moment. Uh, In his book, The Good and Beautiful God, uh, author James Bryan Smith says this. He says, the Holy Spirit is often the member of the Trinity that gets the least attention. We pray to God the Father, and when we read about Jesus in the Gospels, we can picture him in human form. But the Holy Spirit is not often the focus of our lives. And then he says this. He says, I've come to believe that the Holy Spirit is not upset about this, which I think is wonderful. Uh, It's a great way for him to acknowledge that I think what's true for so many of us, uh, we don't often think of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, and yet I think uh, Mr. Smith is giving, uh, Professor Smith is giving us the opportunity to not feel guilty about not always acknowledging the Spirit in our lives. Uh, Of course, he goes on in his book to talk about how the Spirit works in our lives, and that's part of what we want to do in our series. Back in January, when we did our Essential series, we talked about how the Holy Spirit Uh, Is God the same way that God the Father and Jesus the Son are God? But there's so much more to say about who the Holy Spirit is and how he interacts in our lives. Um, I don't know that we're going to be able to cover everything that we possibly could in a few short weeks. So we're going to give you just little bits and pieces of uh, what it means to interact with the, uh, the Holy Spirit relationally, how he interacts with us, and my hope is that throughout the series, uh, this will be more of a, maybe an introduction for some folks, others, a reintroduction to the person of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want to look at uh, something that Paul refers to as walking in the Spirit. Uh, It's part of our process of growing with him. And I want to do that uh, by looking at Galatians chapter 5, or at least parts of it and parts of chapter 6. This idea of walking in the Spirit... uh, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as our advocate or one who comes alongside us. And so walking in the Spirit has to do with allowing him to come alongside us and help us. Uh, So this morning we'll be in Galatians chapter 5. Paul wrote Galatians to clear up a misunderstanding about what was required to be a genuine Christian and what the basis was of growing in and maintaining our relationship with God. In the first four chapters, uh, Paul establishes that following the Old Testament set of rules and regulations uh, in order to relate to God, which is known as the law, is not the means by which we can establish a relationship with God. That is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Uh, In chapter 5, when he gets there, he's starting to address the issue of what is it that should be the basis of our ongoing relationship with God? At the beginning 
uh, of the chapter, uh, it's part that we don't have time to cover, he warns his uh, readers against two possible responses to being set free from the commands of the law through faith in Jesus. The first potential response would be to return to the law as a basis for our ongoing relationship with God. And the other possible response is to ignore the teachings of the law altogether. But when we get to our passage, I think Paul's going to offer a third option that's not just a combination of the two. And so that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning. He begins in verse 16 of chapter 5 when he says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, there's our phrase, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the new way that we're to live in response to God because of his grace in our lives and the salvation we have through Jesus is not more rules, which is we call legalism, and it's not no rules, which is what we call license, but it's this third option that he calls walking in the Spirit. And in order to understand what walking in the Spirit looks like, Paul first contrasts it with what he calls walking in the flesh looks like. Um, before we <clears throat> jump into the, the next section here, uh, to understand the Spirit's role in our growth, we kind of need to understand what the flesh is. Uh, when Paul talks about the flesh or our flesh, he means <clears throat> the part of our human nature of people that causes our desires, even at their best, to originate from sin and to be stained by it. So it has to do with our fallen nature. And this is often referred to at other places in the New Testament as our old nature. Uh, there are passages, in, even in this letter, like in verse 24 of our chapter, that tell us that when someone comes to faith in Christ, uh, the old nature, which is oriented towards sin and selfishness, is replaced by a new nature, which is naturally oriented towards God and his ways. And we're told throughout the New Testament that when someone comes to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of them. And this sounds like wonderful news, and it is. Believe me, it's great news. But from a practical experience level, uh, I think we all still experience patterns of behavior that we learned by living according to our old nature for years before we came to know Jesus. And those patterns of behavior or relating, I think, can, cause, can come from a whole variety of different sources. Sometimes we develop those patterns as a response to uh, difficulty or even trauma. Uh, sometimes these patterns we develop uh, come because we're trying to find a way to be loved and seen by the people in our lives. And sometimes these patterns of our flesh that we develop come because we're just imitating things that our culture values that are different from the things that God values. So they come from a whole bunch of different places. Those ways of living and relating uh, might have worked for us uh, in the past for a while, but usually as we grow and develop, we find that those patterns of relating don't really work very well anymore. They don't get us the results that we wanted. And especially for those of us who have chosen to follow Christ, we start to experience some tension in our lives. Uh, Tension between the ways that we used to live according to the flesh, as Paul calls it, and living according to the Spirit, which is what we... uh, sense when we come to know Jesus and when we read his scriptures. So, uh, Paul acknowledges this tension uh, in our lives in the next couple verses, in verses 17 and 18, which I appreciate. One of the things I love about the scriptures is they feel real real life to me. Uh, Verses 17 and 18, Paul says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, 
and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So he says the things of the old nature are in contrast to things, or the contrary to the things of the spirit. Uh, and there's that conflict that we experience. I think all of us have felt at some time uh, the conflict. I know sometimes in cartoons or things it'll be pictured as like a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other, and they're fighting to give you attention for their attention so that you'll do what they want. Uh, maybe not completely accurate, but it illustrates the tension, I think, that, that we often feel between the two natures. <clears throat> uh, Paul says that because of uh, the new way that he's giving us to relate, which is walking in the Spirit, that we need a new way to evaluate how we're going to live. We need to evaluate our desires and try and decide, are these come from the patterns of our flesh or do these come from the Spirit? And he wants to help us with that. And so he starts by giving examples of things that flow from the two natures. And he begins with the flesh. And so in verses 19 to 21, we read this. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, which evidently Paul's talked with them about this in the past, that those of you who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, that's an intense long list. Uh, the first thing I want to observe here is that Paul refers to these things as acts of the flesh. And that word acts there uh, in the original language could also be translated works. Uh, and so what he's talking about here is behaviors that he's seeing in people. And that's going to become important when we look at the next paragraph and we'll get there in just a second. Uh, secondly, I, I'm not going to go into detail this morning about what all the different behaviors are in this list. Uh, one, because I don't know how profitable that would be for us in the moment. It's not part of what we're going for this morning. Uh, but two, I, I don't necessarily think that's Paul's point in listing out these things. Uh, I will point out that the list contains examples of sexual sins, relational sins, religious sins, and a couple of typically pagan sins from Paul's day. And his point is that all these kinds of sinful behaviors prevent us from experiencing the life in the kingdom, the life in the spirit that God desires for us. We should also notice that Paul ends the list with the words, and the like. And so what that means is this is not an exhaustive list. That was not Paul's desire here to line out every type of behavior that is described by living according to the flesh. He's just wanting to give examples. I think there are things he could have included here that he didn't, and he just assumed his readers could figure out what feels like according to the flesh versus according to the Spirit, and they can match that up to what they know from the Scriptures. So uh, the idea here is just examples of what the flesh produces in our lives. Lastly, uh, when Paul uses the phrase, those who live like this, He's talking about people who, by habit, consistently live in patterns according to the flesh. He's not talking about people who are trying to live according to the Spirit, but who struggle sometimes, because I think that's a natural part of our growth. So, I hope that puts some people at rest. Uh, so next, Paul wants to contrast the works of the flesh with what the Spirit produces in our lives. And so we read this in the next verse. He says, but... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
forbearance, also known as patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So in the previous paragraph, Paul talked about the works or the acts of the flesh. But here, you'll notice he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm convinced that Paul chose a different word there intentionally. Uh, The new way of relating to God by walking in the Spirit requires a different method of evaluation. And so you'll notice that all the words he mentions here as fruit of the Spirit are actually character qualities uh, more than they are behavior. And so part of what Paul's doing when he's helping us think about walking in the Spirit is when we evaluate to look at character maybe more at times than we look at behavior. Now, I know initially when I say that, that sounds kind of scary, right? Uh, If we don't pay attention to behavior, then how are we to know if we're avoiding inappropriate or sinful behavior? And I think that's a decent question. Uh, But I, I don't know it's necessarily something we have to worry about. I think Paul's point here is that if we focus on developing good character, then the behavior that we're hoping for is gonna naturally flow from the good character. And that's something that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7 when he says that trees are known by their fruit. So a good tree produces good fruit. In other words, good character produces good behavior. And bad trees produce bad fruit. Now, obviously, uh, no human being is all good and produces all good fruit or is all bad and produces all bad fruit. I think we're all a mix. But the idea here is that we want our lives to be more and more characterized by good character, which produces good fruit. And I think when we do that, when we focus on character, we'll find that the behavior that we hope for flows from a sense of relating to God instead of trying to perform for God, which I think is a really important distinction. Because at the end of the day, what we're talking about is a relationship here and not just a system of following rules. Okay, to round out the conversation here about walking in the Spirit, I want to jump back up to verse 16 for a second. Uh, You'll notice that Paul says that if we walk by the Spirit, that we will not carry out or gratify the desires of the flesh. The important thing I want you to notice here is that he does not say you won't have the desires of the flesh. He just says that you won't gratify them. So for so many of us, after years, even decades of living according to the patterns of the flesh, uh, it's very normal that those desires that we developed from doing that are still with us. But the important bit here is that we don't have to let those desires of the flesh control us or dictate our decisions anymore. We can actually choose another way. We can choose to walk in the Spirit. So, that said, practically, what does walking in the Spirit look like? And I want to give you uh, maybe a quick sort of over general model of what that could look like, just some, some steps involved in the process, and then an example of what that could look like practically. So, I think the first step when it comes to relating to God through Spirit and walking with the Spirit is just to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit lives in us. Uh, The Spirit might be okay being the least popular member of the Trinity, but if we want to see him at work in our lives, we probably need to start with at least acknowledging that he's even there. And so for some of us, uh, when we think about relating to the Spirit, that's just always seemed like something that was out there and was never something for us. So... I think the first great step is just to acknowledge the Spirit does live inside of us if we've come to faith in Christ. Secondly, I think we need to be in the Scriptures regularly. 
uh, if we're going to be able to distinguish between acts of the flesh versus fruit of the Spirit, it's probably helpful to be in a place where we can hear God speak to us about those things through his word when he wants to. Uh, Next, I think it's probably helpful to regularly take time to examine how we relate to others. Uh, And this is something I think we need to invite the Holy Spirit to help us with. Uh, He wants us to help us discern, are we seeing the works of the flesh play out in our relationship with others, or are we seeing the fruit of the Spirit? And if so, which acts of the flesh or which fruit of the Spirit are we seeing? Um, I'll say this, uh, as we think about asking those kinds of questions, which I think should be done regularly, uh, at least monthly, I think weekly is probably a good idea. For some folks, I think daily could be a little too intense, Uh, but if you're up for it, go for it. Uh, But when we're in the process of asking questions like this, we run in the situation where sometimes we're not sure who we're hearing from. And uh, my understanding of the New Testament is that when the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us about an area of our lives or something that we've done, he's going to speak very specifically. Okay, He's going to say, Brent, last week when you were speaking to so-and-so, you said something really insensitive and you need to apologize for that. He'll speak specifically to you. Uh, if, if you're asking the Spirit to help you examine kind of where you're at and there's an area you need to work on, but all you sense is this general sense of guilt or I feel bad or I'm probably not a good person, that's not from the Holy Spirit. That's probably from the evil one. And you don't have to listen to that thought. It's not from the Spirit. You can tell the evil one in that moment, you know, that's not who Jesus says I am. He says I'm loved by him, that I have incredible value because of what he did for me and because he made me. And I'm not going to listen to that right now. And if the Spirit has something specific he wants to say to me, then I will listen to that. But otherwise, I'm going to ignore you. Um, so I hope that that helps. Because uh, I know that once we get a little introspective, uh, if that's not something you're used to, <laughs> that can feel a little uncomfortable. So <clears throat> next, I think as the Spirit uh, points things out in our lives, it just makes sense that we would confess those things uh, to God as patterns of the flesh. And that we would agree with him that there are things that are keeping us from experiencing life in the kingdom and life in the spirit that he wants for us. And I think that last part's important. Uh, I think too often when we think about sin, we only think about it as doing something wrong as opposed to what we should have done, which was the right thing. And of course, there is an element to that. Uh, I think that's, that's true. <clears throat> but I also think that that perspective alone usually only produces guilt And guilt might motivate us in a good direction for a little while, but it usually never works well over the long haul. It doesn't last. So that leads me to my next step. Uh, If we can see the patterns of our flesh as things that are actually keeping us from experiencing something good that God wants for us, then we're going to be much more likely to turn from those things and, here's my next step, cooperate with the Spirit as He develops His fruit in us. And cooperating with the Spirit... Uh, involves a few things. One, it involves what we just talked about, asking the Spirit to show us areas of life that we need to grow in. But it also involves engaging in spiritual practices that will help us grow in our character. And then it involves asking the Spirit to use those practices to form His character in us. Uh, I believe that if we can be regularly involved in this general process, then the Spirit will begin to grow His fruit in our lives 
And our experience of walking in the Spirit will increase, and our tendency to want to gratify the desires of the flesh will actually lessen over time. So that's the general process. Let me give you a practical example, and I've got a couple uh, maybe extra things I want to add on to the process here. So <clears throat> practically, what this looks like day in and day out, uh, when I was in seminary, my, my mentor explained things this way. He said that uh, in any situation, uh, we tend to have an initial reaction uh, to stuff that goes on. And often, we can't control that initial reaction. It just flows out of who we are. And because of our old nature that uh, we learned from for so long, often what comes out first is a pattern of the flesh. And initially, it feels like the pattern of the flesh is just automatic. Uh, there's not much we can do about it. But he says, and I think this is borne out in the scriptures, that the Spirit can help us recognize that initial response in a given situation, and He can lead us to have a second response that's much more in line with wanting to be dependent on the Spirit and live out the character that He wants for us. So, over time, the gap between that initial response, which might come from the flesh, and, the, and then the second response, which comes from the Spirit, I believe, shrinks to the point where eventually that second response of the Spirit becomes our initial response. It becomes the character that we live out in a given situation. So let me give an example from my own life. Uh, I should say that I have not mastered this, and my wife is in the room, so she can attest to that, so you can ask her afterwards. Um, Years ago, I discovered that in certain, uh, this is thanks to the very kind and gentle input of some friends of mine and my wife, uh, that in some situations, in conversations where maybe there was a disagreement uh, or I didn't feel like I was being uh, heard or taken seriously, I could respond very defensively. And usually that came out in either anger or me leaving the conversation altogether. And when I heard from my friends and my wife that this is the way that they experienced me, I realized that's not the kind of person I want to be. It doesn't sound like the fruit of the Spirit. Anger and retreating from people doesn't sound like the fruit of the Spirit. It sounds like the habits of the flesh. And so I began asking the Spirit to help me to see when that was happening. And initially, I wouldn't recognize that it happened until after an interaction with someone. But what I learned to do was go back to the person and apologize for my response and ask if I could have a second chance at hearing them out. And eventually, it got to the point where I would catch myself, thanks to the Spirit's influence, mid-conversation, realizing what I would done. And at that point, I could stop and apologize and start believing the best about the other person and continue in such a way where I could actually listen and hear the other person. And it's gotten the point a good chunk of the time now where uh, I'll catch it just seconds after it happens and I'll stop and I'll apologize and ask if we can move on. And I think sometimes that catches people off guard, but I'm glad it does. And sometimes the Spirit actually helps me see what my reaction is going to be before I, it gets out of my mouth. And I actually can choose a Spirit-led second reaction the first time, which is wonderful. Now, like I said... I don't get it right all the time, uh, but I do believe that I've grown in this over the years, um, and I believe that the Spirit has developed, uh, first, a greater sense of uh, peace in me about who I am as His child, 
Uh, and that, that's important because it means if that's my core identity, then how I perceive other people responding to or reacting to me doesn't have to control how I respond or react to them. Uh, and secondly, I feel like God's developed a greater sense of self-control in my life when it comes to how I react and respond to people. And both of those things are the kind of the fruit of the Spirit that I want to see more of in my life and in each of our lives. So I hope that kind of gives you a picture of kind of practically what this could look like. Uh, let me close with a couple thoughts uh, related to walking in the Spirit because I know it's kind of a, a large topic. Uh, first, walking in the Spirit is something that we both learn and do in community. Uh, if we look at the beginning of chapter 6 in Galatians, this is actually the point that Paul is trying to make. He says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, for you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So the picture here is that we need other people in our lives to help us see things about ourselves that we cannot see clearly on our own. And of course, those kind of people need to be safe, trusted people. They need to be people that are trying to walk in the Spirit on their own. Uh, because if they're not, their temptation might be to judge us rather than to help us. And that we don't need that. We want people to help us in the process. Um, <clears throat> I also hope you noticed that as we talked about uh, both kind of examples of patterns of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, that these things are all relational issues, right? They're important because they, it's important to be aware of them because they affect how we relate to one another. And so walking the Spirit is not something that we do at home by ourselves when nobody else is around. Walking the Spirit is something we do as we relate to other people. It's a relational thing, which is why we need others. Uh, secondly, learning to walk in the Spirit takes humility and intentionality. Uh, in the next couple of verses of chapter 6, Paul talks about the principle of sowing and reaping, which has to do with what we give our energy and attention to. And he says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked or fooled. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reach dis- reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So if we continue to ignore the Spirit's work and leading in our lives then all we can expect is more of what we've always experienced in terms of our relating to other people, which is going to be more patterns of the flesh. But if we're willing to humbly and intentionally spend time trying to relate to the Spirit and ask Him to work on our lives, then I believe He will begin to produce His fruit in our lives, and we will see life change. The last thing I want to share in regards to walking in the Spirit is that walking in the Spirit takes time. Uh, sometimes years. Uh, I do believe that God often uh, gives new Christians uh, an experience of seeing an area of their life change very quickly when they first come to know Christ, and I believe that he does that as an assurance that he's real and he's in their life. But I think the majority of the time, uh, the work that God does in our lives to undo years and sometimes decades of living in patterns according to the flesh also takes time. And so we need to be patient with the process. So if you go home this week and you try out a couple parts of the process and by Friday you haven't seen your life change completely or God hasn't revealed an area of life to you that needs working on, 
be patient. Hang in there. Uh, this takes time, but meaningful change will come, I'm sure of it. So uh, here's my practicals for you guys this week. Uh, I want to challenge you to take one element of the process that I mentioned earlier. You can always try more than one, but encourage one. And I want you to give it a try. And maybe that just, for some of you, maybe that's just going to be acknowledging the Spirit's presence in your life this week. Maybe that's a new thing. Uh, It could be spending time in the Scriptures just to get a feel for what kind of fruit it is that God wants to develop in you. Uh, It might be asking the Spirit to begin searching you and asking you, is there a pattern of the flesh that he would like you to start saying no to and a fruit of the Spirit that you'd like to develop in you? Uh, Maybe it'll be confessing those things to God. Maybe you already know what they are and you just need to acknowledge those things to him and ask him to begin to work in your life. Or maybe it's uh, participating with him, cooperating with him through spiritual practices. When I say spiritual practices, uh, I do mean basic things like reading our Bible and praying, but I also mean things like uh, giving of our time and our finances so we can learn to be generous people, uh, or uh, things like fasting where we learn how to say no to things that we probably should say no to. So I'm convinced that uh, whatever you try this week, God is going to begin to use that in your life to help start this process or even improve or continue the process of walking in his spirit. And then over time, he will produce in you the character that you really do want. And you'll live in relationship with people the way you always hoped you would. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you uh, that you did not leave us alone when Jesus went to leave this earth and be with you. Uh, Thank you that you sent your spirit to live inside each of us who have come to faith in you. And God, I pray that this week, uh, as we take steps to engage with you in your spirit, that you uh, would start uh, afresh or begin for the first time, uh, again, the process of growing us into Christ-likeness through the work of your spirit. And God, I pray that uh, you would protect our hearts and minds from the work of the evil one who wants to discourage us from relating to you through your spirit. Uh, I pray that we would sense uh, just a real uh, sense of your presence and your love and your care for us as we uh, lean into walking in the spirit this week. And so I pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.